unmatched. We're going to talk about it a little bit here today. I'm going to use an unusual suspect today. One that's not normally looked upon, at least in this light, on this day. But I want to read Romans chapter 8 to you first. Verse 35 through 39, if I could, for just a moment. Speaking of the love of God, Paul wrote to the church at Rome, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, Paul said, For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul went on to say, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. His love for us, nothing can separate us from Him. Nothing. His love was so great for us. So great. Everything that you and I read in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, everything you'll hear about God is all about His love. Every single bit of it. Amen? And He continues to show us in His Word and in our lives every day just how much He loves us. God did not spare any detail. He did not spare any energy. He did not spare anything, preacher, for the, to show us His love. He didn't, he didn't spare any of it. And I'm going to show you a little bit of that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You, Lord, today for the wonderful privilege that we have to be in Your house. On this day today that we celebrate, yes, Your birth, yes, Your death, but, oh God, the conquering of death, hell, and the grave when you rose on the third day, and later, 40 days later, you ascended to be back with your Father in heaven. And that's where you remain today, sitting at his right hand in all power and all authority, interceding for every single one of us. And, Father, we want to say thank you for that today. Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life for every single one of us today, showing us true love, that a man would lay his life down for his friends. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of all kings, Lord of all lords, the beautiful rose of Sharon, the Son of God, God Himself incarnated in man, laid His life down for us, the creation, and I want to say thank you, Lord, for doing that for us here today. And I also want to ask that you forgive us, God, for taking advantage of you so many times and denying that love that you poured out for us. All of us have been there. All of us have, all of us have done it, God. We're all guilty, but we're also all forgiven. We're all forgiven if we turn to you. So, Lord, we thank you today, and we love you, and we praise you. We ask, God, that you are glorified and honored in this place today. We love you today, Lord, supremely, supremely for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Give him another hand, clap of praise, and take your seat. So, Brother Danny, we're going to go just a little different. I gave Brother Danny some scriptures earlier. and uh, Boy, I tell you, it's really good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to feel His presence. And uh, I just want to tell you, um, you're in store for something brand new today because it's brand new to me. Uh, I love when God changes things a little bit. Amen? And since I've been here today, some things have changed. And uh, God's got a sense of humor. So... You study all this time on something he gives you, and then he says, that's not where we're going. We're going somewhere else. And um, so uh, all I know is, is that 
one of us in here, all of us in here need to hear this instead of what I was going to tell you. All right? Is that all right? So that's a good thing because that's God. Amen? That's God. The vast love of God. The title of this message that we have today is How Will You Respond? So that remains the same, Brother Robert. The title is the same. How will you respond? All through the Bible, God poured His love out to people. He did things miraculous, showed up in places where He shouldn't have shown up, done things that you wouldn't have expected Him to be there, all for a purpose. And that purpose was to show the love of God to the person or persons that He was speaking to. He took time to go out of His way to show His love that somebody might love Him back, right, and accept His love. And so many times I think we run past that and we rush past it, right? We rush past the times, those moments that God gives us. And all of us have moments, right, with God. We all have those moments where He stops by and you know He stopped by. I remember those moments for myself. You can remember your moments when you know God specifically stopped by to talk to you on that particular day. Amen? You know those moments. If you've ever been saved, you know that moment, right? Where Jesus said, as He said to the woman at the well... He told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria, right? I got to go this way. The whole point of him going that way was just to talk to that young lady that day. Jesus, the Savior of the world, could be doing all kinds of things, took time to stop by and talk to her that day, right? Today, I got to tell you, I believe God's here, and he stopped by to talk to us here today. I know that because I feel his presence, but I also know that he changed this message. Amen? So he's here. These moments that God gives us, we shouldn't waste them. And again, it's all about his love for us. Make no mistake about it. There's no other reason why he does those things other than he loves us. And he cares about us and he's concerned about us. I'm reminded of several places in the Bible before we get to where we want to go today where this kind of thing happened. I told you about the woman at the well. But you can also see it with Pilate, right? We think about this time of the year. You think about Pilate. Jesus shows up in front of Pilate. Could have been in front of a different, different governor, different judge, somebody else, but it was Pilate. And Pilate had an opportunity to see the Son of God. Amen? Isn't that awesome? He got, a, he got the opportunity to talk to Jesus on that particular day. And if you read that story, it appears that Pilate wanted to believe. Amen? I think Pilate did believe because we know that Pilate wrote a scripture, uh, or an inscription rather, above Christ that, that Jesus, he put his name King of the Jews. And the Jews were upset and said he ought to change it. He said, no, I've written what I've written. Amen. So it tells you that he understood and he saw that Jesus was who he said he was. Amen? Didn't accept him. It, didn't, it does not appear, or at least what we read. But he did see that who, he, who he said he was as he was. So he appears to, to, to Pilate that day. I don't believe he appeared to Pilate just so he could be judged by Pilate. I believe he appeared to Pilate because he loved Pilate just as he loved you and I. And Pilate had an opportunity. You can also see here when Jesus was on the cross, you see him there and all these soldiers below him. They were casting lots for his clothes, right? Why were they doing that? Because they understood that this was a monumental day. This was something that they would never forget in history. They'd seen that this Jesus, how awesome and powerful that he was, and they wanted a piece of history, right? But Jesus was there that day, and those guys there were that day to see some things that they could also see the love of God. And later, as you read that story, when the earth quaked and it became dark for those three hours, that those fellows, that centurion and all those soldiers said, Surely this was the Son of God. Amen? They saw Right? But they had an opportunity. We also know the thief on the cross. Both of those fellows had an opportunity. Right, Jesus stopped by that day, crucified that day with those two guys. Now understand this. From the beginning of time, before God created the heavens and the earth that you and I know, earth that you and I know today, before He ever did any of that, these moments were set in place. Amen? God knew these moments. And so here He has these two fellows right, placed there with Christ at the same time that they might have an opportunity. It shows the vast love of Christ. Here he is between them. They're both fixing to die. He's fixing to leave this world, and he's there. What are you going to do with him, right? Opportunity. They had it. One took it, as you know, and one did not take it. One accepted Christ. One did not. But the opportunity was there, and the love that he showed to them was right in front of them. Jesus stopped by that day to talk to those two fellows, and everybody else was at that scene that day. So what I want you to get today out of this is, again, we talked about His love in these songs, but Jesus loves us, amen? He loves every single one of us to the point that He'll go to the ends of this earth 
to make sure that you and I have an opportunity to get to know him and experience that love that he has for us, not just now, but in the life to come, right? That's his whole goal, is to love us and to be with you and I. That's his goal. And again, he spares no, no detail in making sure that he gives us that opportunity. Amen. So if you go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and you'll read through verse 47 through 53, this is the King James translation you'll be seeing here in just a minute, and there's other translations you can look at too, but we want to read this. And just get right into this here today. I want to show you how awesome God's love is. And some of you have heard me say this before, but it's so relevant in the day that we're talking about today in Christ dying for our sins and raising to life again that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The love that he showed to you and I is unbelievable because no other king would give his life for us. But Jesus did. Most kings require you to give your life for them, but he gave his life for us. So we pick this story up here. The Lord's Supper had taken place. Jesus was with his 12 disciples, the apostles. They had eaten this last time. Jesus was talking to them about what was about to happen. And then Jesus says something that startled the whole group of people that were there, all 12 of them. And he said, one of you here is going to betray me, right? And you know what happened after that, right? Is it I? Is it I, Lord? Right? They're all asking, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it going to be me? And, of course, Jesus said, well, the one that dips, right, when he dips, dips his bread, this one that dips or sups with me is going to be that one. So, of course, you saw the picture unfold, and we all know that Judas was the one that did it, right? And so all of those folks remember that story. Eleven of those guys saw Judas do that. Jesus himself saw Judas do it. So is there any question in your mind who it was to betray Jesus? None, right, because he said... The one that does this is going to be the one that betrays. And then in, in case you weren't really sure, Jesus then says to him, go and do what you got to do, right? Judas takes off and leaves. So I don't think there's any doubt that everybody in the room knew that Judas was the one to betray him. That's important. Keep that in the back of your head and store that there for just a moment. So the supper takes place. It's all said and done. Judas is going to do what he's going to do. We see Jesus later praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying here. Now, Jesus had prayed there many, many times. He was really familiar with Gethsemane, where he would go to pray. This particular day, the Bible says that Jesus was praying with so much fervency, his prayer was so passionate that he, his sweat became as if it were great drops of blood. Now, I've never prayed to the point that I was that, that intense in my prayer. Maybe I should, amen? Maybe all of us should. Maybe we see a lot more happen. But Jesus, the intensity behind his prayer to his father, I don't believe had anything to do necessarily about the nails that would soon pierce his hands. You hear some people say that Jesus was really stressed about having to go to the cross and having to bear you know, all those stripes on his back and the piercing of his hands. I'm sure that was in the physical sense. But I see my Lord more in the spiritual sense. I don't think that bothered him quite as much to cause that kind of stress on him. I don't think the cat of nine tails that ripped his skin caused that kind of stress. I don't think him thinking about the, the piercing of his side. Remember, this is Jesus, and he knew what was prophesied, that it was prophesied that they would do that. I don't think that stressed him to this point. And I really don't think that it stressed him that people would be beating him, kicking him, spitting on him, cussing him, all those things. I don't even think it distressed him so much that he knew his disciples would soon turn from him, right? I don't think that stressed him as much as what really caused this sweat to become his great drops of blood. Here's what I think it was. The sin of the world. Amen. Amen? See, Jesus on that particular day took on the sins of the world. And let me give you, let me let you understand what that really means. Sometimes we just rush past that and say, well, he just died for my sins. Well, he did. But it wasn't that simple, Pastor. It wasn't that simple. See, Literally, every sin that had ever been committed up until that point, every sin that was being committed at that point, and every sin that you and I will commit and everybody else will commit from, from now to the end of time was placed upon Jesus. Why? Because he's the sacrifice. And when you sacrifice, you, you sacrifice for sins that have happened. So he had to sacrifice for the sins that had happened and the ones that would happen. See, this is where the Bible says that Jesus died once for all, meaning the next time I sin, 
He ain't got to leave heaven, come back down here, get back on a cross, go through all that again for my sins. He did it once for all. You with me? Unlike in the Old Testament when they had to sacrifice every year for their sins, they had to bring an animal every time and sacrifice that animal. Why? Because that animal died and was no longer living. So that sacrifice was no longer worthy. But Christ is alive forevermore. Right? That's why this day is so important. When he rose from the dead, he is life and life eternal. So his sacrifice does not have an expiration date. It covers all sin. You with me? All sin. So the weight that Jesus was under that day was the weight of all the sins of the world. He felt the weight of the sins of the world. And here's what he also felt. There was soon to be separation from his father. Right? Because righteousness and unrighteousness cannot be together. Sin separates us from the love of the Father. Amen? That's what it does. That's why he said the wages of sin is death, because without God in our life, without Christ, we don't know life. We don't have life. So it separates. Jesus had never been separated from his Father. Amen? He never known what it was to not be loved. And church, I want you to know today, none of us in here knows what it's like to not be loved by God. Amen. Never. Okay? And the reason for that is, is Jesus took that, not us. So what he was feeling was the weight of all the sins of the world and feeling that darkness shadow over him and knowing the pressure of having to carry all of that and what it did, and he knew that it would separate him. This is why you saw Jesus on the cross say those words. Right on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that? God had to turn his. He could not even look upon Christ. He turned his back. He could his face from him. Right? Which then signifies to you and I, it got dark outside for three hours. The earth quaked. And it just shows us that separation, right, between love and sin. And there's the stress and there is the agony of Jesus. So that you and I would not feel that separation. That's called grace. We live in the grace dispensation time. From the cross till he returns, we live under grace. When we sin, God's love does not turn from us. We're not separated. He's not happy with it. But because of Christ, he took that separation. We still don't know what it's like not to feel the love of God. Amen? Jesus knew. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Separation. But he took that for us. Amen? You with me? Yeah. We feel conviction, and that's grace. That's love. Amen? But we don't feel separation. Jesus did that. So can you see the love that Jesus has? Let me show you further. A very, very good point that I've, I've used before in a message, but it's so relevant today, and this is where God wants me to go, so we're going. Judas then has betrayed Jesus, right? He's done what he's done. He's going out, getting with the Pharisees. Jesus is praying. He's in agony. All this is happening, right? He's praying. He knows the cross is imminent. It's coming, right? He knows Judas is coming. So he's out there, right? And all of a sudden, here comes this band of folks, and they come to get Jesus. Let's read it. While he yet spoke, behold, a multitude. And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. Circle that. When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with a sword? Let me back up here. One more, back up one more time. You use this new thing back here. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, after Judas comes to him, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Another translation says, Friend, why are you here? Why are you here? Friend, why are you here? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with a sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus, and Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains 
of the temple and the elders which were come to him, be ye come out against, against, a, a, against a thief with swords and staves. You're coming at me with all these things, right? You, you came out here as if I was some common criminal, right? This is imp- all these things are important where, where Judas comes and he betrays Jesus with a kiss. Now, that's very important. This is very important, the fact that they come to him with all these staves and swords as if he's going to put up this big fight. What I want you to see here today is this. This story unfolds. These men are coming to get Jesus. Judas is coming to betray him. Prior to this, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about the betrayal. And they say, well, how are we going to know which one of them is Jesus? How are we going to know who's Jesus? And of course, Judas says, the one that I kiss. Now, what's important here, again, to show you the love of Christ, you think to yourself, why did he have to kiss him? What was the point of Judas going out and, putting, and kissing Jesus so they would know? Did they not know who Jesus was? Did he not know? Of course they knew who Jesus was. They had dealt with Jesus for quite some time. Is that not right? The Pharisees wanted to kill him. They knew exactly who Jesus was. They didn't have to somebody take a picture or walk up and say, hey, this is the guy. They knew that. In fact, Jesus even said himself in a different passage of Scripture, he said, he said, was I not with you in the temple? They knew who Jesus was, right? So what was the point of this kiss? If in fact they knew who he was, which we know that they knew he was, right? What was the point? Why? I want you to see Jesus' love here in this story for Judas, and not just Judas, but for all of us. They knew who he was, so that really wasn't really necessary. So he comes to them, and he walks up to Jesus, and he gets really close to him, and you can see this picture. He walks up to Jesus, and I can envision Jesus putting his hand out. He calls him his friend, which now allows Judas to relax a little bit, right? I'm sure he was thinking some kind of rebuke was coming. He knew that he was Jesus. He knew he was the Son of God. And he said, friend which allows him to just draw a little closer. And in order for Judas to place a kiss on Jesus' cheek, of course, he had to get right beside him. And he gets right up on him, and he puts his face against his face. And when you do that, your mouth is at that person's ear. Is that not right? Really close. And you can see Jesus then say to him, right in that translation we read, why are you here? Why are you here? Now, did Jesus not know why Judas was there? Of course he did. We just told you earlier, right? I want you to remember. Of course he knew why he was there. He knew he betrayed him. He saw him him do that. All of them knew why he was there. So did Jesus just have a a temporary lapse of memory? Mm Mm-mm. Right? Why are you here? I really believe when you see this story right here, the whole, this whole story that unfolded in front of us in the Garden of Gethsemane was for one purpose. Yes, it was prophesied that those things would happen. But why were they prophesied? Why? What was the point in all that scene happening? Could they not have just went and got Jesus and took him and did what they were going to do? Sure they could have. But all of that was orchestrated before the foundation of the world was ever set by God. That Judas would have an opportunity to get it right. To get it right. Why else would he do it? What was the point? What was the point? Uh, just to be theatrical, right? Just to make it look good, just to make the story a little bit greater, right? No, I don't think so. Just to really make Judas look even worse than what he was. I don't believe so, right? I believe it was to get Judas really close to Jesus, just like you and I at some point in time in our life. And he reaches over and grabs us and pulls him real close to us, or close to him. And he said, what are you, what are you here for? Why are you here, Judas? And I'm sure Judas is thinking, you know why I'm here, right? That's what we would all think, but I don't think so. See, God knows our heart. He sees our heart. He could see the remorse in Judas. We know Judas was remorseful for what he'd done because just shortly after that, he goes and tries to give the money back, right? He realized what he had done, and Jesus could see it. He sees our hearts. The love that Christ has for us He gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get things right with Him because He loves us. Amen? And He set that whole thing in motion. 
just for Judas. Well, I don't know if he really loved him, preacher. He, I, I think he knew he was going to betray him since from the very beginning. Well, sure he did. But he also knew you and I would betray him too. Amen? Every single person in this building is a Judas. We've all betrayed Christ at some point in time. Amen? So would he treat us the same as he did? Right? Oh, he's just Judas. Let him go. He just, he's just necessary. I don't think so. Everybody that God created, pastor, he intended to love them, and if they would have that opportunity to get it right. He died once for how many? All. Except Judas. Does it say that? Except Mark. Except Pilate. Right? Except Herod. Except all of these. See, we see these people as villains, but God sees them as children. Amen? We see people in this world as villains. We see them as hateful. We see them as deceitful. We see them as whatever you want to see them as. But God sees them as a child. Amen? And he died for all of us, not just the good ones, however we classify that, but for all of them. See, everybody's good. Everybody, because God created us. And here, listen, if everybody's not good, then God's not good because God breathed in them. Right? Every person that's living in this world today has the breath of God in them, or they wouldn't be living. Right? So all people are good, but they just have evil intents because they give in to temptations that come their way, just like all of us. Right? Is that right? Judas is no different. His sin was no different than my sin. That's hard for us to understand. Judas betrayed Jesus. He screwed up. <laughs> I mean, there ain't no way he can be forgiven, right? You have betrayed the Son of God. If there was any hope at all, maybe if you betrayed Peter, maybe if you betrayed Matthew, maybe if you betrayed John, but you have betrayed Jesus. There ain't no hope, right? <laughs> but we all, as I said to you, have done the same thing. And our sins and Judas' sins are the same. They're exactly the same. Sin is sin in God's eyes. There's no big sin, no little sin, just sin. Okay? So the love that he had for Judas, he has for you and I. And he makes a way for us. The Bible said he makes a way of escape for all of us, his children. This was Judas' way of escape. This was his moment right here. And all of us have those moments. Judas walked up with all this, all of this uh, conviction, I'm sure, all this just, just, just thoughts of betrayal. He had to feel awful walking up to Jesus out here in a place that he had been with Christ many times, praying with Jesus. And he walks up and he knows that he's turning his back on him. But then Jesus does what Jesus does. And he just said, friend, right? Just like he does to us. When we go to Jesus, he don't turn his back on us. When we go to Jesus and we've done all these things that his, that, his, that his word tells us we shouldn't do, he still welcomes us with open arms just as he did Judas to this day. He's not changed. Right? He hasn't changed. Pulls him close, gets right on his face, and he says, why are you here? Right? Truly, he was waiting on these words. Forgive me. Amen? Forgive me. Had Judas said, Lord, forgive me, I am sorry, that fast he'd have forgave him. Because the Bible says so. All, he died for all. He would have forgiven him. And some people say, some scholars and some people have told me in the past, Pastor, I don't believe that. It would have changed the plan of God. No, it wouldn't have. They were going to take Jesus regardless of what Judas did that day. Right, they were taking Jesus regardless of what Peter did, cutting the man's ear off. That didn't stop a thing. They came that day to take Jesus. What was done was done. He had already betrayed him. He had already taken the money. He had already agreed to do it. So the act of going out and putting a kiss on him didn't do a whole lot of nothing. They were going to get him anyway. It wouldn't have changed anything except Judas's life. That's what would have changed. So when you think about the love of God, I think about this, I told some folks yesterday, the thing that troubles me the most as a minister of the gospel is that we don't really understand, I don't understand, and maybe you don't understand, how much God loves us. 
I mean, yes, we think about it on this day, right? Because we think about his death and his crucifixion, and we think about what he went through and all those things. We think about it today, but do we really think about it every day? Or do we, do we really, have you ever stopped to really just think about how much he loves us? When you think about this story and how he moved every piece, think about that. How much time had to elapse, thousands and thousands of years, right? Moving pieces and moving this and causing this to happen and these two people to get together so they could have Judas and all these things had to happen for this moment to take place for Judas to be face to face, eyeball to eyeball, ear to mouth to Christ. He did all of that, right? He moved this world in perfect time to have Judas in that moment at that very second that he could have that experience with Jesus. And God does that not just for Judas, but He does it for every single one of us. All of us. God knew the moments that Christ would be in your life. And He's been moving your world and my world in perfect time to make sure that all that happens properly, that you and I could have an encounter with the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Have you ever thought about it that way? Man, when you think about how much He loves us, we think about God just snaps fingers and things happen, and it does. But He has to think about all of that, right? He puts all that together for you and I just because He wants us to meet His Son. Is that not awesome? And when you think about it, this is what bothers me. There's so many of us, including myself, that we take that for granted. Can you imagine if it was me? I'd be like, man, I put a lot of work in this, and you didn't even pay attention to it, right? You just walked right by it. Jesus is standing there and boom, right? You didn't even see him. So you can almost see God up there like, really? I mean, really? You see what I'm saying? Moments. There are moments that God has set for you and I. We don't need to miss them. You think about, I think about so many. I think about these, these, these guards standing beside the tomb that day. Yeah, they were there because they were commissioned to be there right, by Pilate to stand there and guard the tomb at the request of the Pharisees so nobody would come steal the grave of Jesus or the body of Jesus at the grave. I mean, really? I'm Surely they didn't think his disciples were going to do it. They ran at the very first time they grabbed Jesus at Gethsemane. So they're not going to go over there. They're fearing for their life. But there they were, right, standing there, standing guard around the tomb. But everybody just saw what happened, so I don't think you'd have too many people coming to try to do that, did you? So why were they there? Guess who the first two guys that realized Jesus was risen? Who do you think they were? Them two guys. How do you think that went? Think about it. Huh? I mean, I'm sure that was an eye-opening experience. So, there's a moment. You think about that second that happened, Mary. Mary runs up. She's the first one to see Jesus other than those two. One of the first disciples to see him, the first, talks to him. What a moment, right? Honoring Mary for her faithfulness to God. Man, the love he has for us is vast, is it not? Her, not Peter, not John, not Matthew, not Mark, Mary, right? Because Mary loved Christ. She sacrificed for Christ. You always saw Mary. She was at the cross, Right? So here he gets an opportunity. He loves us. Amen. He loves us. This day we celebrate the love of God. Right? We celebrate what he did for us, giving his life for us, being resurrected, right? Doing what he did for us, all because he loves us. But it's so much bigger. Amen. That, that story that we talk about here today is awesome. And it does show the love of Christ. But there's so much before it and so much after it. Right, that He does for us every single day. Every single day. All of us in here today, all of us have been given opportunities to accept Him as our Lord and Savior and worship Him and live for Him and keep His Word for the rest of our days. But we sell out so easily to the things of this world just as Judas did. Right? 30 pieces of silver He was willing to to sell out Christ for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, how far would that have went? I mean, it might have gave him, it might have supplied his needs for a year or so. Who knows? 
But 30 pieces of silver, he's ready, he was ready to just get rid of Christ. For six grams of cocaine, we'll give up Christ. For a quart of Jim Beam, we'll give up Jesus. Right? For $10,000, for a job promotion, for this one woman at work or this one man on your job, right? All these things, we'll give up Jesus so quickly, right? For things that, that are temporary. When he does all he does, like I said, to give us those opportunities to be with him. And when he shows up, we'd rather take the silver than take eternal life in Christ. We would rather take all these things than to take Jesus. Amen? He loves us. Amen? There's nothing in this world worth losing our soul over. And I'm going to give you the sad part with Judas. Judas was given an opportunity there by Jesus to get his life right, and he didn't take it. He went away from there. We know the story. He jumps off the cliff, and he gets hung on this root or whatever it is that's coming out, and it splits his Stomach open and you know the rest of the story. And Judas, it appears, never got it right with Christ. Never got it right with God. He's not mentioned anywhere in the Bible that he did. I hope he had an opportunity. It's not up for me to judge. But based on what I see, it doesn't appear that he ever got it right. What a waste of God's time. Amen? Think about it. What a waste of God's time. All that he did to get him right there. And he missed the opportunity. So many church services, opportunities are given, right? Over and over and over, please, begging, pleading, come and, and, and come and see Christ. Come and talk to Christ. Come and, and accept Christ. Jesus, just like with Judas, was waiting in the garden for him to come. He was waiting for him. And he's waiting for all of us here today who, who are like Judas, who have things in our lives that God knows are going to separate us from Him eventually. And so He sends Jesus, the perpetuation of our sins, the one that is sent, right, to be the mediator, to stand in the gap. Every time you would see sin and you would see death as the answer, you'll always see Jesus standing in between them. Always. Do you know why God doesn't open, don't open up the world today and swallow people up like he did in the Old Testament? The cross, Jesus. Do you know why? Right? He, don't, he don't just kill us when we sin, when he said that's justified. The cross. The only difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is Jesus. The cross, the death on the cross and the resurrection. Because of him, see, God has not changed we quote that scripture a lot. And it makes us Christians feel good. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He's the same, right? We get all excited. But do we really know what that means? What it means is he still hates sin. He has not changed. God, unlike us mortal men and women, we get a little softer the older we get, right? Used to tear my nerves up. My dad would tell me one time, and then he was grabbing me and spanking me. And my, my kids, I don't know if he ever spanked them. I mean, he just tell them over and over, and I'm, saying, I'm having flashbacks. Like, I mean, I just got real hot and about passed out because I just seen that hand come across my face. But it never happened with them. And it's sad when you're, when you're a grown adult and you're, you're, you're like, hit him, you know, because, <laughs> you know, that's what you did to me. You beat me the inch of my life, you know. No, just kidding, Nate. Right? But, but unlike us, God doesn't, he doesn't soften up. So, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning if he hated sin then and he said the wages of sin is death, guess what? It still is. So just envision this just a minute. Work with me. Mark sins right now, immediately. God's attention has been, awa has been awakened to it, and guess what? He's justified in wanting to do. He cannot state sin. He can't deal with it. He can't look upon it. It can't be around him, right? So his first move is to do what? Deal with it. So you can imagine God getting up off his throne, right? He's facing to go deal with this situation. And just like my mother in a lot of cases, when my dad would get up after he done told me not to do it, and he'd get that belt and start walking to me, my little old mama would stand between me and him. And she'd be, it was an Academy Award performance. She was begging, 
Don't kill him, won't. Don't kill him. Right? <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> Sound just like Jesus. He didn't know what he was doing. Right? Forgive him. He didn't know what he was doing. Right? And sometimes it would work. But see, with Jesus, it always works. See? The cross is a difference. Now sin is still justified and to be dealt with with death, but because Christ died for our sins, he gives us life and henceforth mercy. Right? When God gets up to deal with it, he sees the blood of Christ, and guess what he does? Because of Jesus. And so when we deny Christ... Like Judas did, can you not see I'm in the slap in the face to Jesus? I died for you that you'd have an opportunity. My father made all this happen since the beginning of time that I'd be right here in front of you. You sinned. He was going to deal with you. I stood up in, in your place to give you an opportunity. Here I am, and then you didn't take it. Right? Mercy. You see? God loves us. I want you to bow your head with me here this morning. I know this has been a little bit different, but I just I want to obey God. Do you know He loves you? I mean, He had to ask Peter three times. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord. But Jesus understood it was easy just to talk. He said, Peter, do you love me? A second time. Peter says, yes, Lord. But a third time he said, Peter, do you really, really love me? And then Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But then he required action. And he said, Peter, feed my sheep. It's easy to say, I love you, Jesus. It's easy to say that. But, it, but when, it re, when it requires action, and Jesus will require action, He will show up in your life, in moments in your life that His Father has ordained from the beginning of time. And He will stand before you as He did Peter and as He did Judas, as He did so many through the Bible and so many since. He'll stand there in that moment and say, Mark, do you love me? Christy, do you love me? Kelly, do you love me? He'll stand there in that moment and he'll say, Julie, do you love me? Heather, do you love me? Ken, do you really love me? If you do, and then there is a requirement. And that requirement is accept. Accept this gift that's being placed in front of you. Don't let it pass you by. Jesus died, rose again for this moment right here today to give opportunity to those who haven't accepted Him as Lord to be part of of this kingship to be part of the kingdom of God to escape death that's why he did it so I'm going to ask you today if you would come and take this opportunity and not let it be a waste of God's time come on is there anybody in this building that has enough courage to step out and put your hands in Jesus' hands and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here that has enough courage to just come and say, Lord, forgive me? Maybe you're saved in here and maybe you've, maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you've done something you shouldn't do. I don't know. But come. Come on. Find your place around this altar. Thank you. Amen. Thank God. Come on. Come on, guys. Is there anybody else that would take this opportunity? Don't walk out of here like Judas did and miss the moment. Anybody else? Come on. 
We're going to give you just another moment. Take advantage of it. He's here. He's here. Amen. Yeah, come on. Come on, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our Heavenly Father, as we all are assembled here in this place this morning, we want to take a moment to say thank you so much. Thank you for life. Thank you for being with us, God. Thank you for protecting us and keeping your word where you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for Jesus dying for our sins and all the sins of the world that we might be justified, reconciled back in right standing with you, God, through his blood and your forgiveness. Father, we ask today, God, as these come, seek your face today, Lord. Lord, that you be true to your word where you said if we seek you, we'd find you. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for taking time to stop here in Hodges, South Carolina today to give opportunity. And I pray, Lord, you would honor the faith of those that come. Give them the desires of their heart today, Lord. Lord, place your hands in their hands. Draw them tight to you, Lord. Hold them close. And don't ever let them go. Father, we'll thank you, praise you for that today. You're so worthy of our praise. So worthy. So worthy. I ask God today that nobody leave here. Nobody leave, Lord, with an empty heart. Nobody leave today with sorrow in their hearts as Judas did, not taking advantage. But Lord, please, while there's time in this service, help those that you're touching their hearts to come and respond. Father, we'll praise you for that and honor you for that and glorify you for that, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. Caveat. He didn't say you wouldn't perish. He said should not, which means we have a choice. Should not perish, but have what? everlasting life. God loves us. Amen. He loves us. Take advantage of those moments that God gives you in your life. When Jesus stops by and you'll know he stopped by just for you. When he does, take advantage of that. Be a good host and invite him in. Amen. Invite him into your life. I promise you, you'll never be the same. Amen. You'll never be the same. God's love for us is vast. It's vast. If you would stand, let's worship the Lord today. Every time I try to make it on my own, every time I try to stand but start to fall, all those lonely roads that I have traveled, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried in the broken pieces every minute every moment where i've been and where i'm going even when i didn't know it i couldn't see it there was For this man who needs amazing kind of grace For forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay 
I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I our storm. There he is, right? Those moments, right? He's there. I promise you he's there. He loves us. Amen. Can you give him another hand clap of praise today? Amen. 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 We love you guys. Pray you have a super Easter today. Thank you for taking time to be with us today on your way out. We have a few things for you out there and just to let you know we love you and appreciate you and uh, how will you respond, right? Let's just respond to Jesus the way he wants us to respond and that's with all of our hearts. Amen with all of our hearts. Pastor Damien, you want to close us in prayer?